Our second Bible reading today is from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 53. It can be found on page uh, 1107 in the Pew Bibles, or you can follow it on the screen. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why are your doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I have told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until what you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is God's word. Thank you, uh, Steve, for reading that wonderful passage for us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter uh, 24. Let's uh, come to our Lord in prayer as we uh, look at uh, this particular section, Luke 24, 50 to 53, uh, this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. This is your word. We ask, O Lord, that your spirit will be at work in our hearts and lives this morning. Help us to understand this word, to be encouraged by it, to be strengthened in our faith. Lord, I ask that you use me. Forgive me for my sins. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, uh, just recently, um, I was talking to an older man with whom I've been trying to share the gospel. He's a Greek man, and he and his family recently celebrated Greek Easter. And he said to me, Chris, we are going to celebrate Greek Easter. And I shared about my Easter, uh, uh, about what we believe about Easter. And he said, you know what? We're going to have a full lamb on the spit roast. It will be on from 4 o'clock in the afternoon till about 7 o'clock. Why don't you come around? He said, really? What do you do with this entire lamb on the spit roast? Oh, we cut it up and we enjoy the Greek lamb. So I was passing his house around 4 o'clock. I was almost tempted to go in. And I could smell this lamb on the roast. All, all going well. But anyway, during our conversation, he posed this question to me. He said, you know, Chris, 
where is Jesus now? Where, where, where is this Jesus? Yeah, this guy has kind of no understanding of who Christ is. In fact, I met him this morning again. Where is Jesus? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Where do you think Jesus is? So I explained to him, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And it's like, what, 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 what happened? Went to heaven. How, how did he go to heaven? Were there people who saw it? How do you believe this, Chris? So this big conversation. Well, no doubt, my dear friends, the question is, what happened to Jesus after his resurrection? No doubt that we focus on the birth of Jesus, don't we? Christmas time, right? Very soon, well, not soon, but it will take some months, but we'll have Christmas trees out in the shopping centers, okay? There are still, by the way, hot cross buns that you can buy, so. <laughs> right. No doubt that we focus on the birth of Jesus at Christmas, and rightly so. Then we think about his death on Good Friday, don't we? We reflect on the death of Christ. And then on Easter Sunday, we think about his glorious resurrection from the grave, not to forget all the chocolates that comes with it. But I suspect that we don't focus too much on the ascension of Jesus. Do we? When is perhaps the last time maybe you heard a sermon on the ascension of Christ. Now, why would this be the case? I understand that in, in the Netherlands, Ascension Day is a public holiday. I, I, I believe it is still the case, right? It is a public uh, holiday. Maybe we should have another public holiday in Australia. That would be great. So how important is the ascension of Jesus for all of us as Christians, does the ascension of Jesus have any implications for us as believers? Well, this morning, let's look at Luke's account of the ascension of Jesus. You see, Luke began the gospel informing his readers of how he went about writing the gospel, Luke chapter 1. He says in Luke chapter 1, in the first four verses, we have these words. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Luke the physician, Luke the doctor, is an investigative man. His mind has been thinking through the issues. And he writes and he says, I have given consideration to these things and I write an orderly account for you so that you might have certainty on the things that you have been taught. And so Luke chapter 1 verse 3 and in Acts chapter 1, we note that the book is addressed to a person called Theophilus, who was a person of some high status at the time. And in fact, in Luke chapter 1, Theophilus is called the most excellent. And now, in the Gospel of Luke, we have an account of the birth of Jesus, Luke chapter 2. We have an account of the life of Jesus in the remaining chapters. We have an account of the crucifixion of Jesus, Luke chapter 23. And then in Luke chapter 24, we have an account of the resurrection of Jesus and the appearance of Jesus to the disciples and the account of the road 
to a mass encounter. And then Luke concludes the gospel. He concludes this gospel with a most wonderful statement, a wonderful fact that I believe sometimes we do not focus on. And he says, and he talks about the, the ascension of Jesus. One of the most incredible work of Christ. And so it's one of the most important aspects of the work of Jesus by his glorious, wonderful, amazing ascension to heaven. When I was preparing this talk this past week, I had to move away from my office, from my desk, and think about this. What an important, what an amazing work that Christ has brought to completion by his wonderful ascension to heaven. And so when we come now to the book, for example, when you come to the book of Acts, what do we see in Acts chapter 1? It was about 62 AD and Dr. Luke the physician, the researcher and exceptionally good historian, wrote the book of Acts, which forms the second half, I think, of Luke's exposition of the Christian message. And in Acts chapter 1, we have the incredible account. What do we have in Acts chapter 1? Quickly look at your Bibles or your phones. It's okay. Right? Acts chapter 1. We have the account of the ascension of Christ. Tremendous again. So Luke has concluded the gospel of Luke. Comes to Acts. He continues to Theophilus. And we have Acts chapter 1. And comes bang with the ascension of Christ. You see, speaking of the ascension, Luke is very keen for his readers to understand the significance of the ascension. And speaking of the ascension of Jesus, since we've heard a, a, a little bit about Tim Keller this morning, <laughs> let me quote Tim Keller on this. I didn't talk to Peter, by the way. Right? The ascension, when understood, becomes an irreplaceable, important resource for living our lives in the world and it's a resource no other religion or philosophy of life holds out to us. Did we see that? A resource for living our lives in the world. And it's a resource no other religion or philosophy of life holds out to us. See, so let's look at this passage, Luke 24. There are three things that I want to look at this morning. I want to look at the blessing, the place, and the response. Have a look at verse 50, please, if you have your Bibles. And he led them out. Why should I say if you have your Bibles? You would be having your Bibles, wouldn't you? Right? Anyway. So look at verse, uh, verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. You see, Jesus had appeared to the disciples and others, giving many convincing proofs, evidences of his resurrection for a period of 40 days. Right? We read this in Acts chapter 1. Verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. Have a think about that. And speaking about the kingdom of God. So this is the risen Jesus, crucified, raised from the dead, ministering to his people, giving convincing proofs of his resurrection for a period of 40 days. How wonderful is that, friends? Isn't that grace? 
You see, he could have been raised from the dead and immediately taken up to heaven, right? No, 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 no. God kept his son. Jesus ministered to his people for a period of 40 days, giving them convincing proofs and speaking many things. You see, he had suffered. He died on the cross, paid the penalty for the sin, for our sins. On the third day, he rose from the grave. He had conquered the grave by his physical resurrection. And for 40 days, he met with his disciples. His appearance, for example, some of the proofs of this was some of these things. His appearance to the women, where he addressed one of them by name, and he called her Mary. How sweet is that? To be called by your name, by Christ. His encounter with the disciples when he ate and drank with them. Luke chapter 24. His encounter with Thomas. He appeared to more than 500 at one time. 1 Corinthians. And in these 40 days, the disciples saw firsthand the victory that Jesus has achieved through his resurrection. And what a blessing that was to them. This was no phantom ghost. He was truly alive. But then what happened? What about his departure? Well, let me refer to Luke chapter 9, 28 to 30. Okay, so you follow the, the thread with me, please, this morning. Now about eight days after these saints, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up to, on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him. Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of what? What did they speak of? Is departure. You see, the Greek word that is used there, or we could try, the, the word that is used there, it's, it's the word exodus. So they were speaking about his exodus. You see, Moses was familiar with the exodus, right? Remember that? And now they come here. And what are they speaking to Jesus? And they're having this conversation about his exodus. You see the connection? It's about his ascension. It's about his departure. It's a central theme and work of Christ about his departure. Spoke about his exodus. What was this exodus? It's his ascension. And in fact, Jesus said this, didn't he? But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. You see, Jesus himself predicted his ascension. And so let's come back here to this texture. He led them out as far as Bethany. We have a beautiful picture of the shepherd king, don't we? We have a beautiful picture of the shepherd Leading is people. The shepherd that cares for you. The shepherd that died for you. The shepherd that loves us with an everlasting love. And now he leads his disciples. He leads them to Bethany. The place that he had met with them many times. The place where he said, go and get those donkeys so that I can ride into Jerusalem. He brings them as their leader. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. He leads them out to Bethany, a place where he had met them. He leads them all into that place. And then we have a beautiful picture here of Christ. Have a look in your text, friends. Verse 50. 
when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, what did he do? What did he do? He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. What a beautiful picture of the Savior. What a beautiful picture. I am reminded of the ironic priestly blessings we have in, in, um, in Leviticus. Right? I'll come back to that later. Leviticus chapter 9, 22. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. He blessed the people. You see, this was a meaningful, final view of Christ. Remember the Aaronic blessing as well in Numbers chapter 9, 22 to 26? What is it? The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the Lord, bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face uh, to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And you're now Jesus, the one who is greater than Aaron. The high priest, Christ himself, the amazing Savior. He now raises his hands and he blesses his disciples. Do you see the typology here? Do you see the connection here? Do you see the amazing work of the Savior Jesus? The high priest Aaron, now I am blessing my people. The high priest Aaron did not pay the price for our sin. Christ has done it. And now he raises his hands and he blesses his what a wonderful picture that is, friends. Here Jesus, the one who is the great high priest, does it. And as believers, friends, what better thing that we can ever have in our lives than the blessing of Jesus? Do you agree? Did you agree with me? Huh? We can have everything under the sun. We can have all the comforts in life. We can have... Everything that's at our disposal. I will say, don't want any of that. If but I can have the blessing of Christ. Don't you think so? The Lord's blessing upon our lives. How wonderful is that? How precious is that? And here Jesus raises his hands and he blesses them. You see, the Bible tells us, friends, that he took the curse for our sin. We are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Every good and perfect gift comes from our God. And to be blessed by Christ is to know this God, is to be encouraged by him, is to have the favor of God upon our lives. Would you not want that? Would you not want that? Count your many blessings. What's that, that hymn? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. 
Do you count your blessings? Do you? I had to stop here when I was preparing this. And I had to think, you know my life, you know everything I've served, you, you know me. And I often think, how on earth is it possible for a guy like this guy to come from nowhere, to end up being your pastor for all these years, and now to serve in a wider church? It's beyond me. But I think about the blessings of Christ to save a sinner and give us salvation. That's the greatest blessing. That he has lifted us out from the miry pit of sin. And he has transformed our lives and given us eternity with every blessing. That is the blessing of the Savior. And these disciples, the picture of the risen Jesus leaving them the picture that Christ leaves for them behind is the lifted hands of blessing. How great is that? That's the image that they had in their minds. And look at verse 52. They worshipped him, isn't it? And returned to Jerusalem and so forth. We will come to that in a moment. And the place, look at verse 51. When he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. There was no skyhook, no elevator, no escalator, no rocket launcher, nothing. <laughs> he was taken up into heaven. The, the Bible tells us this in Acts chapter 1 verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus was taken up into a cloud. Why the cloud? What cloud was this cloud? It may be that the cloud of glory, the Shekinah glory, that appeared so often in the Old Testament. Remember in the Old Testament the glory cloud? Remember that? In the Exodus journey, which accompanied the appearances of God throughout the Old Testament, the glory cloud that led the children of Israel through the desert and accompanied the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, the glory cloud appears at the transfiguration of Jesus, which we just referred to. And now the cloud is here, and it appears when Jesus is taken up. Here is another amazing miracle of Jesus. His birth is a miracle. His resurrection from the dead is a miracle. And his ascension is a miracle. In the case of his ascension, all the laws of gravity did not come into the equation. He was lifted up before the gazing eyes of the disciples. It must have been a spectacular sight. And these are eyewitnesses. They saw it happen. And Luke makes this point here in this passage. He was carried up into heaven. He has gone to heaven. You see, the servant king has left this, his place here on earth to take the rightful place in the throne room of God. And so heaven is a literal place and Jesus went to heaven in bodily form. I was listening to an interview recently with Franklin Graham. And, uh, and the, the, the interviewers were saying to him, you know, so-and-so said that uh, there is no such place as hell. And uh, Franklin Graham said, well, Jesus spoke about hell many times. But he also said Jesus spoke about heaven. A place that belongs to God's people. And so heaven is 
God's place reserved for His people. It is a place where Jesus is. It is a prepared place that is designed for God's redeemed people. It is for those who have accepted God's gift of His Son. For Jesus said this in John chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So according to the New Testament, friends, heaven will be a place of beauty and peace, filled with the people of God from all ages who have one thing in common, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal life. That's what Jesus has accomplished for us. So this gives us reason, solid reason, for expecting a personal continuity of life after death in heaven. And the ascension of Jesus is not only profound and powerful, but it is also most comforting to all who trust in Jesus as their Savior. Why do I say that? John Calvin, in his Institutes, makes the following observation. It's a great read, by the way, read the Institutes of Calvin. The Lord, by his ascension into heaven, has opened up the access to the heavenly kingdom, which Adam had shut. Remember? For having it entered it in our flesh, as it were in our name, it follows, that we are in a manner seated in heavenly places, not entertaining a mere hope of heaven, but possessing it in our covenantal head. You see, not, not merely entertaining the thought of heaven, but actually possessing it in our covenant head. Not just saying, oh, I may get to heaven. I hope so when I die, I will get to heaven. No, 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 no. When we believe in Jesus, it's not a hope so, is it? Is it a hope so or is it a definite? Uh, you sit on the fence. <laughs> uh, it is a definite thing, right? When you trust him, it is for certain. God's word confirms that. And what a blessing that is. See so Calvin writing further. He says this, We see how much more abundantly advanced his kingdom, how much greater power he displayed both in helping his people and in scattering his enemies. Carried up to heaven, therefore, he withdrew his bodily presence from our sight, not to cease to be present with believers still on their earthly pilgrimage, but to rule heaven and earth with a more immediate power by his ascension. But by his ascension, he fulfilled what he had promised, that he would be with us even to the end of the world. That is a promise. And the ascension has confirmed that. And notice then, friends, the response. Have a look at uh, the Bible in verses 52 and 53. How did the disciples respond to, what the, ascension of, to the ascension of Jesus? And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Three things. They worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they praised God. You see, they worshipped him. That's the response, friends, of these disciples. We need to understand what's going on here, right? 
the disciples, you know, the Jews worshipped only God, they thought. They deny that Jesus is God. Here we see the worship being given to Christ, who is God in the flesh. Where Luke had spoken of already in chapter 2. It's worship. How about us this morning? Who are we worshipping in our lives? Can you say this morning, by God's grace, I am worshipping you, my Saviour, the Ascended Lord. You are number one in my life, even though I don't always make you number one. I struggle with this perhaps, but I want you to be worshipped. When we gather as God's people on the Sundays, on the Lord's Day, what do we do, friends? In our Presbyterian form of worship, we speak about the purity of worship. We adore and we praise our God. We're not, while we have fellowship with each other and while we connect with each other and everything else, we are not the number one in everything, are we? God is. We come to worship the living God. Worship. And then we see that they, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now, why would that be? If somebody is leaving you and departing you, would you be joyful? It doesn't make sense, right? We will feel the pain, wouldn't we? But there is something here, friends. They had Jesus for a while here on earth, but now they will have him forever through his Holy Spirit. And that is the case for us as well. The Lord is with us because he poured out his spirit as he promised in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, indwells every believer and Christ is with us always. Agreed? Yes? Absolutely? Yes. You see, the Spirit of God comes into our lives. Ephesians, Paul says, and he seals us with the promised Holy Spirit. So Jesus is in us through his spirit and the ascension made that possible to send the spirit to be with you. And I, Jesus says, will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you even until the end of the ages. Matthew 28. See, Hebrews, the passage we read, the first passage says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have confidence, friends, to come to God in prayer. And the writer to the book of Hebrews says that we have a high priest who understands the feelings of our infirmities. He knows how we feel because he himself lived on this earth. God in the flesh. He understands human pain and suffering. He suffered bitterly at the cross. He suffered rejection. Remember those things that happened to him? 
He knows how we feel. Many of us may face sorrow in our lives and we need to be comforted. We shed tears and even when our tears are dried, we know that sadness will bring them to us again, don't we? We don't cry once and then all the tears have stopped. When sadness comes, they come again. But you know what? We have one in heaven who understands human pain and suffering. And the Bible tells us that he is in heaven interceding for us. The Father out of love for us and for his son Jesus answers these prayers offered on our behalf on, for his people. This is a great comfort, friends. Let me encourage you this morning to know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and he cares for you and that he loves you and you can come to him anytime with confidence. What a blessing. And they praised him. This is the joy, isn't it? They went with joy in their hearts. He deserves all praise. They could not stop praising God. They are ready to take the gospel to the world, these disciples. They have witnessed everything about Jesus. And no wonder they could not stop praising him. What a great savior Christ is. When is the last time we praised him? What a great comfort for those who trust him that this living king is not only the reigning king but also the great interceder for his people. And the Bible tells us elsewhere that Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father is in a position of authority that all things are under his reign and under his control even though we may not see it in the world. But it is really what the scriptures say. So as we conclude this morning, where is Jesus? What would I say to my Greek friend whom I'm trying to share this gospel with? He is in heaven. John 14, which we have referred to, tells us that clearly. The ascension is the beginning of the preparation of a place for all who are his so that we too can be with him. Secondly, Jesus has completed his father's mission and he now rules with all authority. Jesus is presently reigning as king and remains active and engaged in our world and in our lives. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. Philippians. He intercedes, thirdly, intercedes with all sympathy as our mediator and high priest. Therefore, we can bring our cares to our ascended lord who hears our prayers and responds by his grace. And then friends, fourthly, we can look forward to the glorious future that the ascended Lord will return as Luke has recorded for us in the book of Acts chapter 1. He will return one day. The Apostles Creed puts it well, isn't it? He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty from where he will return to judge the Apostles' Creed, the living and the dead. He will return to judge. It's, no, it's not a gimmick, friends. It's a very serious business on the judgment of Christ. You know, I, as I said, I went to the, the, to get, together for the Gospel Conference. I had so many conversations with pastors in the U.S. It, we had 
couple of guys from here who went from the PCB as well. I was so encouraged. I came home and I said to Rose, some of these conversations. I went for the morning breakfast. There was an older man, probably in his 80s. And when he, I had never chatted with him. When I left, he said, God bless you. I thought, okay. That's a segue for me to have a chat with this man. And then I understood that he was a Christian. And he said, I serve my pastor in my church by putting the songs up on multimedia. Now he's in his 80s. There's always room for people who want to operate the system in the back there. Age is no barrier, right? A wonderful conversation. And then next moment I see he put his hand on my shoulder and he prayed for me right in the middle of the cafe. So that's great. I accepted the prayer. We had a good conversation and he went. Then, the other day, then I was at a shopping center in, in the US and there was an older lady cleaning the floors. I went up to her and she said, what are you doing in, in, in this place? I said, I came for a pastor's conference. Oh, you're a pastor? I said, yes. And she said, hey, God has sent you to me at the right time. Said, okay, what's going on in your life? And she explained things happening. And right there in the shopping center, we had a prayer. We had a prayer. Still, it's so vivid in my mind. And then I was in uh, Chicago airport. I stood next to a big, burly police officer. And I thought, oh, I got close to him. I said, hi, how are you? I'm Chris. I'm from Australia. I'm a pastor. I came for a conference. Oh, really? And I said, I'm a chaplain of Victor Police. I had my card. He said, oh, that's wonderful. My daughter is getting married to a police officer in, the US, in, in Australia. And he said, you know what? I never leave home without reading the Bible and pray. Three encounters, all separate, and yet so wonderful, because Christ, the ascended Savior, brings things into our lives and opportunities to serve him. This is our Savior, friends. Jesus went into heaven, but will one day he will return as the conquering king. He will ab abolish injustice. He will end all suffering. He will wipe away all tears. He will destroy death, the last enemy. And he will set up his kingdom of truth, righteousness and love. And best of all, we will be with our King Jesus forever in the new heavens and new earth. And we can look forward to such a day because Christ ascended into heaven. So today as you leave this place, know for sure that through his spirit, he is with you. I don't know what week you're going to face this new week. I don't know. You don't know what week I'm going to face this week. But one thing we know, that because Christ is our ascended king, we can trust in him and know that he is with us always. What a blessing. And remember the hands of the Savior. He lifted up his hands and he blessed his people. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. His wonderful birth, the miracle of the incarnation. The Savior left the splendor of heaven and came upon this earth to be born in humble circumstances and yet without sin. We give you praise and thanks for his death on the cross, for our sin, for his substitutionary work at the cross. We thank you for his glorious resurrection from the grave. And we thank you for his marvelous ascension to the right hand of the Father. We look forward, Lord, to the day when Christ will return on that day of judgment. And that all who are covered in him 
we already have our place in heaven. Fill our hearts with the joy of Christ. Fill our hearts with a desire to worship him. And fill our hearts this morning with the desire to praise him. In Jesus' name, amen.